0: old Jack Frost is knocking at the door and you might be wondering what should you do in your garden to help it get through a frost? Well, we're not going to tell you what you should do, but we're going to tell you what we're going to do. And then you can do what you want to do with the information that you get from what we're going to do right here on the backyard gardens podcast.
1: To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste.
0: Welcome to the Backyard Gardens podcast, where we talk about all things gardening and give the information out for you to be successful in your garden, whether it's your first or your last. We are your hosts, Ben, the Backyard Gardener, and
2: Batavia, the Front Yard Gardener,
0: one in the country,
2: one in the city.
0: Now get ready as we dig deep into this wonderful world of gardening, as we learn to grow and grow for change. Was that confusing enough? Doody
2: doody 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 doody. <laughs> you do what I do,
0: what you do, but you do, you know, you know that I know that you know. Yeah. So uh, this is um, Leonard brought it to our attention that this is our annual frost protection episode. Mm-hmm. So last year, if you want to go back after you listen to this episode, of course, and listen to all of the methods and stuff that we talked about for frost protection, you can do that. But this time we're going to tell you what we personally are going to do and discuss that because sometimes we don't practice what we preach mm-hmm. and sometimes we do. So um, and that comes with experience. Yeah. Fair enough?
2: Fair enough. I didn't know you were going to go in with that last bit, but I think... Um,
0: that we don't practice what we I'm, preach? I'm
2: ready to be held accountable.
0: <laughs> your feet are held to the fire, young yeah, lady.
2: Hey, at least I don't have to put on socks, so there's that.
0: Hey, when you were in trouble, what did your mom call you when you were little?
2: I think she just when she called me. she
0: would yell?
2: I think it was just Batavia. I mean, my name really? would get shorter and shorter, like when people, you know... It's like, but tell you, my mom is actually the only person which makes sense that always says my name completely. Everybody else has short names and nicknames for me. Not her. I don't. Yeah. Well, but no, it's the. OK, you and my mom, you're the only two people on earth.
0: <laughs> me and your mom are cool like that. That's why. I was just wondering. I was talking about that with other people today. Mine was
2: Benjamin. Yeah. Oh, shit.
0: <laughs> yes, ma'am. I was about to get a whipping.
1: <laughs>
0: Anyways, we have a quick question. Let me just see if I can find. It. Okay, so this comes from my video that we did about storing food, mm-hmm. um, sweet potatoes, and somebody asks, "How does how cool?" So, a little bit of if you haven't seen the video, you should go watch it. But if not. Uh, When I store my potatoes, I store them in my guest bedroom under the bed, and then I also store some in my my pantry for the winter, and we eat them as they go. So, we've cured them, and then now we're storing them. So, the question is, how cool does your pantry and guest bedroom get for storing potatoes? My basement is finished, so it stays at 65 to 70 degrees consistently with the rest of our house, which I always thought was too warm for long-term potato and squash storage. So this really applies to anything that you have cured. Mm It doesn't have to be sweet. It can be sweet potatoes, potatoes, winter squash. um, What else do we cure? Onions. Onions, Mm -hmm. garlic, Mm -hmm. anything like that. So,
2: And one could argue that I actually wrote this question because they've described exactly my space temperature and my thoughts around, hmm, is it too warm?
0: is it mm-hmm. that is the question mm-hmm. so what do you think
2: um i think that you my first answer is going to be a non answer work with what you have um so i'm actually in the middle of remodeling is far too strong of a term i'm reorganizing things as it relates to my seed setup where i'm storing uh, preserve food where I'm storing kind of, you know, store bought food, you know, so I'm trying to get to a pantry that really is about kind of longer term storage. And at this point I have two places, my kitchen, which obviously gets hot off and on, off and on, off and on, which is going to be key. And then my basement, which, you know, I'm going to be comfortable at 70 degrees, in the basement, and I'm going to need to be, like, 75 upstairs. So, I like a, a warm house, right? Um, I'm pausing because you raised your hand.
0: You said something very key. And of
2: course I did. That's the reason why About I pointed the it out. Mm-hmm.
0: I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, the biggest thing is consistent, regulated temperatures. That's the biggest thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So, uh, that being it, said, what temperature are you storing at?
2: So, the inconsistency hot, cold, hot, cold, canny um, fast track that food in spoilage, right? Is that right? I probably would have wanted to be more eloquent, eloquent in, in wording that, but that's what you got. Um, that's okay. and so for me, I am planning on storing all of my, um, preserved food And cured food in the basement. And it's probably going to still be somewhere around 68, 70 degrees. And that's at this point, my house to keep my upstairs warm enough. I can't have my downstairs cooler than that. So that's what it is. Right. And I have stored both sweet potatoes, white potatoes, winter squash. We score winter squash all the way through a whole year in those temps. Um, Mm -hmm. And... I don't feel like there was any spoilage, right? So, I feel like it was fine. I feel like what this person's describing will be fine, right?
0: So, in your house, why are you only storing downstairs? Why don't you store, like, in the room you're in now, upstairs?
2: Um, It's a good question. I personally don't want to have food kind of all over the house,
0: um -hmm, mm -hmm. i also respectable answer yeah
2: i also i'm even struggling and what hasn't been decided is how much i'm going to use my kitchen it's not technically a pantry but i'm gonna call it a pantry um because there's this thing about out of sight out of mind i really want my preserved jars of food to be in the kitchen it looks great it's easily accessible, but it's back to whole yeah. you know hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, right? Um, while it doesn't impact jars as much as it does cured food, it's still a potential problem. Like you do want those foods to be in a cooler space. Um, right. And the reason why not only not wanting food all over my house, especially in kind of non-kitchen or non-basement spaces, um, it's easy for me to forget that stuff is up here. That's the struggle that I'm having when it comes to my ideal plan would be all of my garden stuff would be in the kitchen, behind the doors. Everything else would be in the basement. Um, Right. But I know it's going to get 80 degrees in my kitchen any given day during the winter. Thinking about the regular heating system and
0: the stove being on. So, I'll probably end up doing a video about this at some point, because as Batavia is speaking, my mind is going a million miles an hour. And what I'm hearing is, how do we regulate temperature? That's the question that I'm really starting to hear, because when you're speaking... I'm thinking of like, so I store my potatoes, like I said, in two places in my Mm -hmm. pantry, which is right next to my kitchen. It's in my kitchen. I call it a food closet. (laughs) So yeah, it's just a weird way to Mm -hmm. talk. But so when we do this, you know, you have to think about a couple things. One, you have to really break down the way your house is heated and you don't have to get like, you know, be an HVAC, you know, professional, (laughs) but think about this. Where's your vent? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I, in my food pantry, I don't have a vent in there. So, uh, by the way, just before anything happens, I'm playing with danger and Shari Dog is in the room with me. Oh, no. And the UPS man just drove by and she is getting oh, upset. No. Oh, no. Her arch enemy. <laughs> <laughs> but So, when you shut the pantry door, you're immediately blocking off that heat coming into there in the wintertime. And the light. You see and the mm-hmm, light mm-hmm. but see just by doing that alone you're lowering that temperature mm-hmm. so if it's let's just say 70 degrees it maybe it's 68 in there so you're already lowering it that much then if you take it like i so i know you don't want food spread out all, all over your house i think a lot of people probably are on the same boat which i'm totally i respect that but we use our guest bedroom for two reasons. One. Because, like, nobody really stays in there. And when they do, what we do is we close the vent off in Mm -hmm. that room. So, when you walk in there, it is noticeably cooler Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right there amongst itself. So, if it's 70 degrees in the rest of the house, it'll probably be about 66 in there. Now, we're talking about good storage temperatures. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that being said, like, my potatoes will store for a solid year and we're we're also not talking about like long term like indefinite mm-hmm, storage mm-hmm. either. We're talking about until you can consume it storage. Yeah. So that's the big thing too. I mean, the idea the idea and especially behind this whole podcast that you're listening to is we want to preserve our food but we don't want to just grow sweet potatoes one year and be like all right we're good for four years we don't need to grow anymore <laughs> mm-hmm. like that's not the idea yeah. the idea is to get it until the next harvest yeah. yeah you know or until you can kind of justify when you want to stop so you know yeah. when you want yeah. to stop consume yeah exactly mm-hmm. so when in that video i stated that The goal behind my sweet potatoes is to make them last until my white potatoes are cured. Then I can eat my white potatoes. And then when they're almost done, my sweet potatoes should be almost be done. So it'll be like a continuous cycle, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which in turn, in turn, varies our diet. Yep. So there's, you know, so we're not really storing our potatoes for, you know, a year or two. We're storing them for six, seven, eight months at most. Generally. And these temperatures are fun. It's all about the consistency of the temperature, regulating and stopping the fluctuations. Yes, ma'am.
2: And we want to eat the things eventually that we're preserving. Right. You know, some sooner than later. I mean, this person could have like 150 pounds of sweet potato. So there is that a couple of notes for those that you're not missing anything. We didn't give you these details. So being asked. Why wouldn't I store them in the room that I'm in? He knows this room is a spare room, a spare bedroom. And I use it as an office, right? You know, if guests come, I can, if I need to accommodate a bunch of people, I can, you know, flip this thing over. Um, but this room stays warm in the, one, it's an upstairs room, right? So we know that heat rises. So it's going to be the warmest place in my home. And I leave the vent on in this room because I'm in this room when I work, so I use it as a, a work office, right? right. Um, and so this wouldn't be the coolest space, um, but I absolutely considered, you know, this is off topic, but absolutely considered setting up my growth station here because I'm in the space all the time. But decided against that um, to offshoot. I may, depending on my sweet potato harvest, I may actually can some sweet potatoes because I still don't think I'm going to have enough to enjoy them as um, like a sweet potato pie, plural, that I would want. Um, And depending on how many I get, the idea of storing them like we're describing here, it depends on the end of harvest for me, like what all that looks like. So that's going to determine how I decide to store them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean you know I definitely have (laughs) breaking uh, breaking
2: news now you're also in on the inside track between Batavia and Ben the note says store in your bedroom since you sleep on the couch which is like (laughs) 99% of the case that you may be onto something there
0: (laughs) I didn't want to say it out loud in case you wanted to keep it quiet
2: I I slept in in my bed from 1 a.m. until Well, I've gotten in my bed from 1 a.m. until 6 a.m. the last two nights. And I slept from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So I'm making great progress.
0: There you go. Mm -hmm. You're moving forward. Mm -hmm. So, and I mean, the reason why I put them... So in my guest bedroom, I put them under the bed Mm -hmm. because that's also the coolest spot in that room. Now, when I, you know, so my canned goods and stuff, I'll put them in there. If I ever had overflow, I always know like, hey, I've got to go to this one specific room to go get myself. I would not put them all over my house Mm -hmm. in different places. I would never do that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to have multiple spaces. And I mean, that's just using your space efficiently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all that really is. So um, to to each his own, whatever you want to do, but sixty five ish to seventy, I think, is fine. As long as it's fluctuated and it's dark, you should be good to go. I mean, what's the worst that's gonna happen? It's gonna start to chit, right? I love saying that. As word. long as
2: it's not fluctuating, right? That's what you're saying, right? Right. Yeah. But if
0: it but if it did like
2: As long as it's start, between sixty five and change, seventy, yeah
0: yeah you you know it would start to chit. so what's what's wrong with that like then you just get sweet potato slips yeah. like damn i get free sweet potato slips for next or year or if you so. notice
2: it's chitting eat it then eat it right now right now
0: it's yeah. still edible yeah. dude I, you know how many times i picked up a white potato and just like scraped <laughs> off the little buds and be like yep good to go let's cook them i'm almost certain that those are poisonous not certain at all read something somewhere one day you you made me panic a little bit but i'm like for for as long as i've been alive i've been doing that you're still
2: alive right okay
0: yeah so you know again this is just the method that we use i use for this and batavia seems to be on track and don't overthink it like everything else we do like you use what the best you have your ability we don't all have nice cool basements or you know any kind of like cool storage areas so you have little microclimates in your house, and take a peek. What else you got to do in the wintertime? Take a peek, look around, and see what you got. You'd be very surprised on what you can find. You know, a lot of closets are very cool too mm-hmm. because they don't have any kind of heating in there. And if it's on some kind of like wood floor or something, mm-hmm. then you know because there's no insulation and an exterior cool. wall
2: on your home and yeah. an
0: exterior wall. Yeah, um,
2: holler at us. Reach out if you all have a true root cellar. Right, because we're basically making accommodations. No, I don't
0: want to hear about that because that makes me jealous. So
2: we're making accommodations because most of us don't. And holler at your girl then because I want to know.
0: I'm joking. Let us know. So, But, um, you know, these are all methods you can do. Try them. Um, Just don't stress. And on that note, we're going to take this break and then we're going to talk about frost protection in our gardens. Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast.
2: If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up.
0: You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description.
2: With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya.
0: So uh I basically built a skyscraper in my backyard for winter gardening, so just to let y'all know. <laughs> Episodes over. I'm still
2: three years off of building a skyscraper. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> you're thinking. You're just now thinking about mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. I'll draw the plans up for you.
2: I am literally looking at um, the internet f- at frost prote- protection covers. Are you? Yeah, yeah. I'm,
0: and and how are you feeling about what you're looking at?
2: I, you know, I, I feel like probably I did the you know best you know, where someone's rated eight or nine for the year and easily accessible through Amazon, which, you know, if I go with and buy it, we'll add it to the show notes, right? Um, It, I struggle because although Chicago has like, frosty weather for more months than it doesn't I really like the idea of getting um, multiple purposes out of a thing Um, and so you know I've been relying on plastic which still has worked I know that there's some issues with using it uh, but it's worked out for me so I'd rather do row covers that I could use in the summer you know as an alternative to the the tool fabric so that's where my pause is I think I'm going to pull the trigger though um, because I do want to see if there is some great gain that I'm going to have. I'm only talking about covering, which is key, fall and frosty type vegetables. <laughs> you know, right. So.
0: Right. So let's let's do this. When you, since you get cold quickly and longer and you currently use your method, which is plastic, mm-hmm. how long does that extend your season estimate?
2: Um, I'm going to say on the high end of month um if the that's big yeah on the high end um but these are at the really end of the year yeah at the end of the year these are cold tolerant vegetables right so well, let's
0: not get ahead of ourselves let's just
2: well that's this is my answer that's where i'm at let's
0: break it down slowly uh,
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> on the short end which maybe i would start with things that are um semi cold tolerant right um a couple of weeks
0: two weeks to a month yeah and then how... So, let's fast forward. How much time does it give you on the front end of the year? Do you know that yet?
2: Oh, great question. I don't know that yet, but it does provide some comfort when I... Um, comfort in planting things earlier in the spring. Not summer crops, but planting things earlier in the spring and knowing that... Feeling like I'm not going to lose them because the weather took a turn.
0: Right. Okay. So, let's... Um, well, since we've already alluded to it, let's talk about the crops that we are referring to. So, most people are like, I want to extend my tomatoes. Wrong. That's not what this is for. This is not for that. Okay, we're not talking about hot houses necessarily, you know. And the reason why we're not talking about a hothouse, in which a hothouse is considered something that's kept over 50 degrees, is because that's not really in touch for a lot of people.
2: And it's not our style you know I mean? of gardening either, for you and I in particular, oh, let me, right?
0: Let's not trip. If I could have a hot house, I'd have a hothouse. But <laughs> I don't have one because of the cost yeah. involved. You know what I mean? And it's just, you know, you're you're eliminating, I would have a rough guess, 90% of our listenership if we said that, hey, you got, you, hot hothouse is the way to go. You know, so when we're planting in these things, we're planting things that are hard, cold hardy. Right, there's a specific group, and each year that list actually grows for me. So um, I used to think it was very small, and it's actually a very large list of plants that you can grow in this time of year.
2: Hot house just so sounds what, sexy to me, and I'm having trouble getting off of that. You damn right it yeah. does. Yeah, well,
0: you know, I love a hot house. <laughs> I mean, let's let's be real.
2: All right, we, so, we can move back to the cold tolerant stuff.
0: So, what is the cold tolerant plants we're talking about? Well, brassicas, right? Mm-hmm do you think we should break down what a brass what brassicas are or do you think that people should just check out or you should grow this i series think you gotta break it down it. but they should also check out okay. that you should grow
2: this series
0: yeah so um we're talking about kale cabbages um collards mm-hmm. i can't believe i had to say that but vitavia didn't interject but that's okay <laughs> uh um. What else am I mi- I'm missing a bunch, I'm sure. Um, broccoli. So,
2: yeah, broccoli. I think that it, it teeters on. I, we have yeah. this argument every time I bring up broccoli as a brassica. Um, I think that's all I'm going to list now.
0: Yeah, let's just keep it simple. Mm-hmm. And then you have your broccolis, your cauliflowers. Uh, you have your root vegetables of some sorts, like radishes, mm-hmm. my favorite or a favorite. Um, you have turnips, rutabagas. You have spinaches, carrots, carrots. you know, you have. So there's a spinach.
2: I know you said said spinach. I think that's kind of funny.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you have all and each one is varied levels Mm -hmm. of cold tolerance. You know, Brussels sprouts is another one. Lettuce is another one. And so when we plant in these structures or even not in these structures, like for me, in in my case, like there's some stuff that I can have grow all winter long. Mm -hmm. If I'm lucky, you know, there's there could be a chance. But for the most part, certain things will grow. If you start by planting these things, mm-hmm. you're already going to have in my mind, that's already frost protection.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely a step there. Um, by And for some of you, I'm going to think people that are just planting these things because they are in a warmer climate probably won't get to the frost we're talking about. But the key is that we're talking about frost protection and we're not talking about freeze protection. Right. So for me, when it comes to frost protection, I'm going to be at some point in December where it's all bets are off, you know. Um, So by then we're getting hard freezes over and over and over. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, though, that for the things I look at and what I've planted, I just want to clarify for all uh, I'm just going to say for lettuce. It's the variety. Every lettuce isn't cold hardy. Every lettuce won't tolerate frost. So keep that in mind. Um, Yeah. But for me, I look at it and say, I mean, there's still some of the same decisions that we make in, in, in our everyday garden activities. How much more do I want of this crop? Right. You know, is it worth my efforts to try to protect it? I've already taken the steps to plant these things that prefer the cooler weather. And in some cases, as the first step, like you described in frost protection, planting things that are
0: more cold tolerant and frost tolerant. Um, And even though they're cold tolerant and frost tolerant, they thrive in the cooler weather. Not the cold weather, but the cooler weather, you know, when you... So, like, right now, you're going to go outside and look, and you're gonna be like, damn, my, my tomatoes are really starting to, you know... They're they're looking rough. They may not be dead yet, yeah. but they're, de- they're not producing as yeah. much. You know, they may drop a couple flowers. What's on there might not be, you know, coming to full term. I guess if that's mm-hmm. the term I can use. Um, you know, there's... So, there's these issues that can arise off this, and knowing that <clears throat> excuse me knowing that that's going to happen when you plant something else that likes this weather you're going to see it really start to grow as it cools yeah. and which i have recently noticed when my temperatures finally started to drop my kale just boom it started really growing Dude, and
2: we're overnight we're in unseasonably warm uh october for chicago um so this is this is coming out just about just under ten days before our average first frost. And I'm betting the farm, man, <laughs> like on we're gonna get into November before we get this frost. I'm hoping it, praying it, hoping it, praying. Um, uh, but um I look and say when it comes to planting for frost, right? My biggest regret sitting in the seat now is I didn't plant more spinach. My spinach was planted at on September the 5th. I had spinach that was sizable enough to harvest, like somewhere in between regular leaves and baby leaves by the end of September. From seed to the point of like, I can pinch a couple of leaves off, right? And so now I look and say, again, even being warmer than what most Septembers have been for us, this... Uh, this spinach is looking forward to this weather, right? You know, yeah. and so I'm like, well, damn, had I planted more, right? Um yeah. and I'll likely need to do less protecting of those plants once this weather hits, yeah. you know.
0: And the and spinach is one of the ones so all of the vegetables that we did in uh You Should Grow this series are mm-hmm. many sows that are coming out right now. Um, they're all cold tolerant. Mm-hmm. So we designed them to be stuff that you can have right now or in the early spring. Yeah. So, um, and spinach was one of them, which I found fascinating the stuff I learned about it mm-hmm. and in, in relation to temperature and stuff like that. So, I think I
2: came out, um, out of the mini series, and I think maybe the spinach comes out maybe next week, but I came out feeling more confident about spinach more so than any other vegetable that we covered off
0: on. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I did too. Like, I actually had like a game plan yeah. behind it. Yeah. So, wow. Which was interesting. I did not expect that. in... I did honestly I had never had issues growing spinach in New England and then when I came back home to the south I had nothing but issues so now I know. Yeah. But um it's very intriguing. So, when we so now that we've talked about what cold tolerant plants are, we that's our first line of frost protection, then the next line is Keeping the temperature raised inside of the garden to some extent. Oh, I
2: love how that's so, that's worded.
0: Did that come out of you your did. brain? It came straight out of the front part of my brain. You know,
2: there's the occasion that you impressed me. This is one of those occasions.
0: <laughs> so, and, and not only are we talking about raising the temperature, but we're talking about raising the temperature naturally without electricity without anything like that. so See, now um, you're just trying to,
2: listen, take the kudos, stop trying to, you know, fold more in, right?
0: (laughs) Well, I want to be sure that people realize that we're not really going to be like, all right, we're going to take a space Mm -hmm, heater mm -hmm. and we're going to put this and we're going to do such and such, you know? Because a
2: part of, I mean, a part of what we're talking about, what we are doing and we're trying to manage cost, you know? So there are a bunch of methods again. October 1st, 2020 was when that episode was published. We talked about a bunch of those methods. Um, yeah. You and I are not planning on implementing all of those, nor will anyone. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, so very natural ways of doing this, right?
0: So, what are you doing?
2: I'm doing all of the things that we talked about October 1st last year. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you lie like a cheap rug. <laughs> no, so um, a part of my first step, and I'm going to, and I know you don't, we didn't talk about this, um, but my first step, and this will be quick. For my summer plants, my first step is going to be getting all of the fruit off of those vegetables because based on my schedule, I don't think I'm going to be pulling those plants up, right? And based on our weather, I believe, and I could be wrong, come back next month and I'll tell you if I was, but I believe once that temperature dips, we may not stay there as long as we normally do. We'll see, right? So there's a part of my summer plantings, and I'm really talking about mostly peppers, that I, and maybe um, not kale, but chard, because I have mixed results when it comes to chard really being a cool weather or frost tolerant mm-hmm. or whatever. So I'm going to get as much off of those plants, leaving the plants intact. That's going to be kind of my first step at, all right, let's see what happens with this frost. The true frost protection when it comes to these colder weather crops, I have surprisingly strategically place them in beds that it's going to be easy for me to do my initial covering which may or may not be plastic it may be something more like a sheet right because remember i'm telling you that our temperatures are really much warmer so one night of hitting to 32 degrees we could be up in that day and it could be much warmer so this may be more like i'm covering this bed with a, a sheet i'm always, so you're talking about a, bed, a sheet. bed sheet yeah
0: so hold on let's talk about that what does the purpose of a bed sheet.
2: So it's going to there.
0: Uh, I like the way you look like you're going to spit my well, face. It's so glad I was I'm not like, sitting next to the, you in The audience life. is
2: like, wasn't she about to talk about that? No.
1: <laughs>
2: so it is creating some layer of protection between the cold air that's going to be above the bed sheet and my garden bed. And so I was going to comment on um, the second part of what you said, you know, kind of warming up that space. Depending on how things go in these next couple of weeks, I may even lower my low tunnels because right now they're sitting at about five feet off of the ground, some cases four to five feet. And so that's a lot of space. It's a lot of air. Right. And so if I lower a couple of them, it allows me to be able to bring um, that sheet or whatever covering. It's going to be closer to the actual soil and the plants. So there's less space I need to warm up right so that's one of the right. first steps that i'm going to do end so scene. That,
0: so yeah but what that does so one thing the sheet also does is when as the dew falls and it freezes and creates that frost it keeps that frost off of your plants
2: it oh, is so critical oh i'm so glad that's i would be negligent and that's why i said what i said <laughs> you know well let me go back i would be negligent a real key important piece because i am a big fan of uh, plastic because I got a shit ton of it in my in my garage, right? You know, I, it's very reasonably priced. It can be used for other purposes. Those are a couple of other reasons. Um, but it's really important that those plants, a lot of these leafy greens we're talking about, that they don't come in contact with that plastic. So this plastic isn't ideal for what I'm doing. Like it's not designed for that. When you see plastic in like greenhouses, it's way above what those plants are. So there isn't that moment of it coming in contact with it. Um, So there's one or two beds that the vegetables are low enough where that's not going to be a worry. My collard green bed is an example. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with that. I may not do anything with it for the reason of they're so tall at this point that anything I cover it with could create an issue like that. But so listen, fire, fire.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm in a good mood, guys. Not
2: to say that I'm not normally in a good mood, but forgive my goofiness.
0: Yeah cuz that's um, you know, in the spring when we cover our stuff whenever for a freak frost and people are like I'm getting all my towels. That's that's what we're doing is we're just keeping that f- that freeze, mm-hmm. that frozen dew off of the plants and that can be sometimes that's all you need. Mm-hmm. And that is a little bit of insulation that can keep that if you're getting let's say 31 that can keep you up to 32 to 33 degrees and a degree makes a difference mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially this time of year 1 degree can make all the difference in the world and even though we've talked about like how these plants like to be cold and they can tolerate it, mm-hmm. if you keep that frost from hitting it as long as you can, it'll actively grow more and more yeah, and more. Your
2: clock is still ticking. You're buying yourself more time on that plant clock because some of these vegetables... Oh, I thought you are giving
0: me a signal to shut no, up. No,
2: no, no, no. <laughs> so for me in my zone, I'm in zone six. <laughs> That's all I'm saying about that. Uh, I'm in Illinois, absolutely in the Midwest. Um, when it comes to our temperatures, if you look and say, all right, it's going to be 30, 30 degrees. Right. You know, right. It, it may hit 30 degrees for an hour overnight at the beginning of the winter. Right. You know, and that's uh, let's say even into fall. So let's say sometime in November I hit, you know, 30 degrees in December and January. All of these cold tolerant plants, they're going to be they're going to look dead on top. So, again, just to, to yeah. level set, I'm not this is not for all all winter gardening. There's a whole different episode where we're going to talk about some things that we want to do for that, but this ain't that one.
0: Yeah. So, and I'm basically, my method is, I I mean, I have the greenhouse, as you guys know, but I I want to take a minute and tell you about the greenhouse. Mm -hmm. So what do I mean by tell you about the greenhouse is the greenhouse is a greenhouse, yes, but it is not a true greenhouse in the fact that it regulates temperature and keeps that a steady temp. Okay, so my greenhouse is basically a super big cold frame. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what is a cold frame? So cold frame is—I mean, you can make these out of a lot of things. And first of all, let me let me just say something about a cold frame. When you go on the internet, and you're like. I'm gonna ask the doctor, Doctor Google, what is a cold frame? And then or how to make a cold frame. And then you get all these things about get old windows and put them on your garden beds. Man, okay, cause I just got old windows flying around everywhere that I can go get free of charge. And I know that people've got ways to go get them, but it's so unrealistic to come across a, a window laying around that's cheap or free for you to put on top of your on top of your bed that is the perfect size like you see in the pictures like give me a break cut it out so that being said like it's just basically my greenhouse is plastic and it's drafty as hell Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. in the daytime Mm -hmm. it heats way up so in the middle of winter it'll be you know 30 degrees outside in the daytime and it'll be 65 in there and then at night it'll get down to 20 degrees and it'll be 22 degrees in there Mm -hmm. so yeah what what are you hearing come out of my mouth? What you're, you're hearing is the same thing we had in the question of the day where the regulation of the temperature is key mm-hmm. because there's a 40-degree temperature change in there every day. Yep. So what that leads to is that leads to plants bolting yep. because they get stressed, and it's a lot of stress on the plant. So it's very common for me to go outside and open it up in the daytime, and then I have to go out there. I usually try and go out there a little bit before nightfall, And close it so I can get that last little bit of heat to build up in there to try and make it last. So, basically, what I have is a big, giant cold frame. Mm -hmm. Now, there are measures I can take to insulate it, and I didn't do it last year. And I may or may not do it this year. I don't know how much effort I want to put into it or money. Uh, Considering we didn't really get a hurricane hit us and the greenhouse is still here, I may actually do something. Mm -hmm. But that's neither here nor there. So... My greenhouse is, it's called a greenhouse. When you buy it, it's a greenhouse, but technically it's a cold frame. So remember that. And the reason why this, my method and Batavia's method works is because what it does is as you cover with plastic and the heat, the sun comes in, it keeps the sun in, the heat from the sun in, and it's bouncing around in there. It can't get out. It'll still seep out, but it'll bounce around. What it's doing is it's warming the soil. Okay, so it keeps your roots warmer. So what you will do, like Batavia, I employ you if you haven't done this, to go out when it starts getting cool and stick your hand in the soil when it's freezing. And I bet it won't be frozen in there because it's the soil is actually retaining some of that heat, keeping the roots warm. So th- that's a, a definite method.
2: I have so much to say. Um, say And it. we're going to keep it succinct.
0: That's what we're here yeah, for. Yeah,
2: so... Um, Really great breakdown of your greenhouse because, you know, on the surface, I would look and say, but you have a greenhouse. You don't have any worries. Right. Well, you mean like it'll be fine. And the reality is, as you described, it's not as simple as, you know, now everything can grow. The key with that fluctuation of temperatures. um, I was going to ask about the wind for you guys when it comes to, you know, later in the year, because one of the things that for Chicago in particular, not only are the temperatures cold, if we get some wind, guess what? Temperature's are gonna be colder. Temperature's are gonna be colder, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, potential mm-hmm. damage, especially if I think about some of those younger plants that I may have planted for a fall that are still trying to get their, their sea legs, no pun intended. Um, so I think that that's important, kind of your specific climate. Um, when it comes to the, the fluctuation, you know, because the, the, um, the greenhouse is plastic. Is it is it plastic or glass? It's plastic. plastic. Yeah. So, but there.
0: If it was glass, it would be a greenhouse.
2: Yeah. So it, there's a part of that um, that absolutely clearly benefits you, but then it also keeps things a lot more warm. Um, the last thing, and I guess I didn't have that much to say, is I didn't do it last <laughs> fall. <laughs> but um, so just as a note, and I'm I'm robbing next episode to pay this episode but I last winter covered one of my garden beds with plastic there was no food in the actual garden bed but there were containers inside of it and we had like three four or five feet of snow over the course of the winter and so there are moments where you couldn't even get inside of like, couldn't even take the plastic up because it was snowed in. And so by the time I got out of there and I'm going to argue it was probably March. By the time I actually got literally with my shovel and, and dug a, a pathway, the soil inside of the raised bed that had been covered with plastic was completely pliable as, as the gardener, gardening world likes to say it was workable, right? Bed that had been uncovered, completely still frozen. So that said, you there know, it is, it absolutely you know what does. You should do? No, I don't want to. I don't want any more ch- uh, tasks or responsibilities.
0: I'm gonna hook you up, man.
2: Harry, right, what we should need, I do? I'm gonna, I'm
0: gonna, we need to get you a way to monitor the temperature inside of that all winter, so you can see in the wintertime. I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy it for you. I'm gonna send it to you.
2: I hate that you and know I love I wait, a good garden experiment. You know I can't it, yeah, resist be, this. This is a challenge
0: because what you can do is, I mean, when especially when it gets snowed in, because snow is an insulator. So as it gets snowed in, it's going to insulate, it, and I want to see what the temperature is going to be in there compared to outside. I bet because you have a thermometer for outside, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So. What gardener doesn't? Don't I mean, it, really. Yeah. Well, um, the gardener
2: that had gardened through 2019, because I just got it 2020. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I you know I would love to see what that difference because I have one in the greenhouse. So I, I I track it. You know what I mean? And um, that way you know like this, it's the what the difference is, and moving forward it could actually help you to. Maybe do a little something crazy. You know what I mean? You never know.
2: So you are making me tell the thing that I'm bubbling inside over.
0: Don't say it then.
2: That just came up. Like I just came to mind. Um, All I'm going to say is I have two beds that raise beds in the backyard garden that are the exact same size. And they are because I originally built them to be like. Three feet tall. And so I broke the bed down and basically just reused the wood and just created a second bed with it. Um, but right now, based on the structure and the design of the garden, it's really hard to manage anything besides one bed at a time. Right. You know, right. so we've talked about you could turn this into a mini greenhouse and this into it. Um, so the part that I'm bubbling over and on in the tease is if I can get comfortable with at some point I'm going to have to dig up this soil and realign these beds, which I've done far too many times already. I could really have something going on when it comes to like next year, this time when we're talking about this, like I can create a structure with everything I already have that could allow me to do something that really does extend my season. So that's all I'm going to say. I'm absolutely being cryptic because that's the way I want to roll. But there it is. You're allowed
0: to be. You can do what you want. I mean, because that's, you know, that's, I mean, you always hear like, snow's an insulator, snow's an insulator. And if you leave the plastic up all winter, because I mean, the fact that you can go in there and what you're getting, I would, uh, I would bet is you're getting a very serious freeze thaw cycle underneath, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, especially when you get those really cold days. But, um, you know, and same for me, like, and we talked about the space that you have to heat and cool. Inside of your tunnel Mm -hmm. So my greenhouse Is six feet by eight feet Okay And then when you break that down even further So it's six feet by eight feet And then height In the middle of it I stand up in it I'm six two um, So it's about seven feet tall Roughly Mm -hmm. Maybe eight feet tall So imagine if you have A kale plant that comes off the ground About 18 inches I got another six feet above that to of space mm-hmm. that will be consistently either hot or cold, hot or cold, hot or cold. So what I plan to do, and I said this in a YouTube video last year, never did it, but if it did come down to it, all I would do is I would take a piece of plastic. You can get greenhouse plastic fairly. You can get a roll of greenhouse plastic fairly mm-hmm. cheap. And um, most people recommend you actually get greenhouse plastic because it's made for the outside and the sun and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Probably more, a little, little bit more breathable, plastic. maybe not. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. it's more resistant to UV light. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but if I took that and let's just say I, I cut my greenhouse in half and height wise at three feet on a cold mm-hmm. night and put that plastic at three feet high through the whole thing now look at how much space I have to number one retain heat and number two cool you know um, cool it as well so there's all that to, that's an option as well so like if I went through a period where I was going to get like really cold temperatures and it was going to stay cold because sometimes we'll get like a week or two where it just like never gets above like 30 you know yeah. maybe 40 which I know you're like Whoa, boo-hoo. <laughs> But, you know, if I put that plastic in there, just imagine how much more I could get out of that during that time frame. So that's always an option as well. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, there is um even if I go into last December and I'm thinking about this as we go forward, um, there have been really warm spots in like the month of December. Right. Yeah. And so a part of what my frost protection really becomes is to keep the plants above the soil line alive... Yep. you know, up until that point, right? So I say above the soil line because a lot of these, the roots are still alive, right? The plant's just going to go dormant. The leaves are going to look dead and flopped over. But if I can keep them whole, if you will, and I'm not talking about your collars because they'll flop over and then they'll bounce back on a warm day, right? Some of these plants, kale is again, a great example of it where um, have you ever seen like, you could even see it in the grocery store sometimes, like when lettuce looks icy, it looks like translucent, Mm -hmm. So kale ends up doing that um, as well as some lettuces, right? So if I can prevent that until I get to the point where, okay, now I can actually get a warm spell of like a week and a half or something, it could be the difference between me easily being able to comfortably eat this in my own time versus me needing to bring it, harvest it, bring it in and try to do something with it. Right. Um, And I'm already to be quite frank, once we get to our frost dates, I'm already knee deep in still tomatoes, tomato sauce and peppers and trying to preserve that stuff, you know, so a little bit more time is always uh, my friend in the garden.
0: And for me, it's like a little bit more time for me because I'm waiting for my cabbages to get to a point where A, they will either head up, or B, they will get as much growth as possible. So when the spring starts to come, they will continue to head up and finish earlier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So because you know they they will live in the garden throughout the winter.
2: That's such an excellent then, point. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's that's kind of where I sit with what I'm doing in my garden, and the whole point behind it is to keep it. You know, to give it as much time as possible before you get that. So, the downfall of these things quickly is, you know, I'm looking at my um, my measuring device I use for my greenhouse, and I'm too far away from it to um, update, but a couple days ago, it was 104 degrees in there. Wow. You know? And then, and so, let's see... So, and then at the same token, it was 104 and then it was 58 degrees at night. So, you see there's a 50 degree temperature change. Now, that's with a shade cloth in there that is blocking... And keeping it cool. So, without that shade cloth, it'd be 120 plus degrees in there. Yeah. There's, so, there's a big difference. There's something,
2: I mean, it's, I'm sure it's like, you know, just physics or some crap, right? So, the warmer it gets, the warmer your actual temperatures are, the warmer that space is going to be, right? You'll see more of uh-huh. a gain in heat than you will if it's cooler. You'll see um, less of a gain in it retaining that heat, right? Yeah, uh-huh. so... Um, so yeah, another couple of things I, I want to make sure I get in that I'm doing, and this is for my container gang, right? So there are containers that are specifically going to move into a raised bed, like I described I did last year, right? Uh-huh. And those containers will be, uh, the bed will be covered with plastic um, because uh-huh. I have things like kale in them as an example, that is Probably as close to as hardy as collards are when it comes to cold weather. Um, So I'll still absolutely be able to enjoy those for a good while as we get through these frosty temps. Um, And then I also have a couple of um, containers that are much smaller that I, depending on how I get through my harvest over the next month or so, that I can actually take into the garage um, for those periods, right? It's, it's harder for me right. to cover some of the containers I have without it being a production. So it's much easier for me to move them inside, right? Turn the lights on right. for a day or two until that kind of colder weather passes.
0: Well, and there's... So there's also other steps you can take, like in your tunnel and in my greenhouse. And I do use some of this. Is like, one, I have two five-gallon buckets filled with water painted black. Mm-hmm. So they soak up the heat and then they slowly radiate the heat out at night and that's called radiational heating and so you can use that you can use um like you could put bricks and rocks in there so in the middle of my path inside of my greenhouse i have little rocks same idea as they soak up the heat they release the heat at night Mm -hmm. and then that will help keep it warmer you can also let so like in yours where you have your tunnel I would personally, what I would do is I would take and line the tunnel with bricks all on the inside of it. And then that would help release heat in there as well. Mm -hmm. And the more space you fill in there, the more space you fill, the more things are retaining heat. Mm -hmm. And it's the less for that cold to come in. So for me, like last year was like a big test. And honestly, this year is going to be a big test. But last year was a big test. And I was like, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Still don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) But my plan is to do just what Batavia said. And it's like I have those two buckets. So they're stacked on top of each other. What does the top of the buckets create? They create a platform Mm -hmm. for me to put something. Mm -hmm. So why not put some kind of potted plant? Some kind of something up there. Then I have a shelf in there. Put something on the shelf, you know. I can hang. I have the ability to hang stuff in there. Maybe get a hanging pot in there. Something, something that doesn't create all of this dead space.
2: It's almost like a sponge effect,
0: a big sorts. It mm. is. It totally is. So that's that's one other thing you can do. And I did that when I lived in New England. I had um, a little pop up greenhouse I put over my bed. It was basically a tunnel. Mm. Um, but it just popped, you know, it just put it over and I put buckets in with, um, now I did use electricity for this one cause it's right next to the plug, but I put, um, aquarium heaters inside the bucket and then turn them up and then they would release heat all night. And that, I was growing all year long up North and mm-hmm. that, um, I was growing, and now let me tell you, when I say I was growing all year long, I definitely was growing some food, but the weeds were rampant <laughs> inside of this thing. But, you know, that was always an option. So, it's something to just kind of keep it going, keep me in the soil or dirt, mm-hmm. however you want to say it, and keep me gardening as long as possible.
2: And it also so. ends up being a way to tidy things up in the garden. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so for me and my weather, um, some of these containers... Like they'll end up damaged, they'll end up cracking, um, some of them especially those that aren't made for garden things right? Um, mm-hmm. So in some cases, I mean all of my containers don't stay outside, so let me just say that um, and in the case where you have like garden things spread about, this is a way to your point of like bringing things inside of the greenhouse this is a way to kind of um, collapse things into one space and get a good benefit uh-huh. out of it
0: Yeah, exactly. But something happened, Batavia. We've gone over. It's time for me to cut it short and call the recipe of the day. A lot of y'all asked, how can you help support the Backyard Gardens podcast? Well, we have been busy and we have created a t-shirt line just for the gardener.
2: To visit our shop, go to the link in the show notes and check out the t-shirts and other goodies we have.
0: Now, these are super special t-shirts designed just for the gardener. So enjoy. Thank you for supporting the Backyard Gardens podcast. And we'll see you guys after the harvest.
2: Okie dok, So I need you to stay with me here. I need you to not like kind of turn up your nose. I need you to trust me. We're going to do roasted sweet potatoes and beets. Yeah, that's what I said. Like, yeah, beets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is another way to consume what is, I'm sure, the healthiest vegetable you're not eating every day. All right. So we're going to do I'm going to try like a serving size for like maybe two people. Um, And this is gonna be the easiest way for me to communicate this. Our ingredients include beets, of course, include sweet potatoes. Uh, We're gonna use onions as well. And then we're gonna have some um, olive oil and then some seasoning to taste. So our seasonings seasonings are gonna be like salt, ground uh, pepper, maybe a little bit of sugar, some garlic powder. um, And we're gonna get started working. So you're gonna clean up your sweet potatoes and your beets. I'd say, hey, remove the skin on both of those. You could decide if you want to do that for your sweet potatoes, depending on how clean they are, if you will. Um, You're going to kind of cube these. You can also do them in more like slices. Um, Doesn't matter. You're going to preheat your oven to 400. uh, Take your beets and then about maybe a tablespoon or so of olive oil. You're going to coat them. And then you know how I'm a big fan of roasting things. And when you roast them, you want them to be in a single file line, right? You don't want food overlapping or um, piled up. So put your beets in first and you're going to let them roast again at about 400 degrees um, while you're preparing your sweet potatoes. So you're going to take another couple of tablespoons of olive oil You'll have your garlic powder, your salt, your pepper, your sugar, if you so desire. And you're going to sprinkle that once you've coated the sweet potatoes in the garlic uh, powder. Excuse me. Once you've coated the sweet potatoes in the olive oil. Um, So at this point, you're coating the vegetables. You can actually put them into the same pan as the beets. You want to let the beets roast first for about 15 minutes. They're going to take a little bit longer to cook than the sweet potatoes would. And then you're going to continue roasting for about... 35 40 more minutes I check them and stir it around flip them over every 15 minutes or so so when you go back in to put the sweet potatoes in and the onions which I didn't mention a second time flip your beets add your additional mixture give everything a good tossing again making sure that they're all separated and not touching each other too much because instead they'll start steaming Um, and then you're going to cook until your level of doneness is acquired um and yeah enjoy so i would eat this with our favorite (laughs) i have a listener that we joke about the arugula i'd eat this with something like fresh arugula for a different kind of that peppery taste Um, if you use something like chard i'd actually cook the chard like saute it and serve it with it Um, so that is my story and my recipe of the day
0: that sounds good i'm not a big fan of beets but i'll take it Maybe I'll try I'm actually again. trying Maybe a, a
2: few um, gold and white beets, which I think are just generally going to be more enjoyable than your typical red beet. There may not be as yeah. much nutrition in in the other ones, but I haven't looked into that. Whatever. I don't know if I care that much.
0: Whatever. I didn't mean to cut us short, but we were going that's like okay. drastically over. Mm-hmm. I could see us going like 98 <laughs> minutes, so 120. Good, man.
2: You know, I'll be here talking for three more hours. And, mm-hmm.
0: We can always do a part two, but um, while you were doing that, I was looking at greenhouse plastics. Um, what kind of plastic did you put on your tunnel?
2: A six millimeter uh, plastic that I got from my average Home Depot.
0: Okay, and it's, it's how clear. long has it lasted? Worked for you?
2: Um, this is the third or fourth year. I've not had to replace okay. the plastic, other than it being kind of grimy, and it's kind of like I have a whole roll in the garage to just use a fresh roll.
0: Was it expensive?
2: Uh, I don't remember the price, but I wouldn't consider it expensive.
0: Okay, because I'm looking on um, Amazon, and there's a eight foot by twenty five foot long one that's forty bucks. It's greenhouse plastic, so six mil.
2: How much was it again?
0: Forty bucks.
2: Yeah, so I have a ten by fifty for twenty six. Six mil. Okay,
0: yeah. So I don't know. I don't remember if that,
2: picked, that sounds about right, but I don't know if that's what I paid for it. Um, but yeah. that's currently at like your Home Depot's.
0: Yeah. So I'm considering doing something over my two of my um, beds mm-hmm. to kind of see what we can do. But, you know, you always want to grow longer. That's the problem with being a gardener. Mm-hmm. You never want to just give in,
1: mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, you Sometimes know, I, I know. Feel like
0: It's just given. But, that's what we're doing in our gardens for frost protection, everybody. I hope that it has given you a little bit of insight into the way our minds work. I don't think they work smoothly sometimes, but they work.
2: <laughs> I never made that claim, so I feel good about it.
0: <laughs> I never said my mind works smoothly. It's all over the place. But, you know, I, I would say try a couple things out.
1: Mm-hmm. You know what
0: I mean? Depending on how big your garden is, try a couple things out and see what works for yeah. you. Yeah. And, um, you know, over the years, you'll figure something out and, uh, hey, you might be lucky and the first thing you do works. You know, the first thing I did was a high tunnel type situation mm-hmm. and it worked fine or low tunnel. Excuse me, not a high tunnel, low tunnel. Yeah,
2: it's a good point because it does take especially you're, you're in the same place. It may take a couple of years for you to figure out what works and then what you're comfortable with doing. Because, I mean, there's steps that you and I both could take. That we just yeah. don't want to, right, you know.
0: The amount of effort.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, um, but look, everybody, I hope that this has helped you. It's it's coming. Jack Frost will be here soon, so he'll be nipping at our nose and our toes. So, everybody, stay safe. Be cool. Be cool, dog. <laughs> kick it in the garden. <laughs> Enjoy what little bit of time you have left in easy gardening, because it will get a little bit more difficult, but it's not impossible. And um, check us out in all our usual places. Let us know if you have a question or you want to show us something. You can use hashtag BYG podcast. And if you want us to share your garden, we actively want to see your fall gardens. So DM us at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share your garden with all of our listeners. And if you feel so inclined... Be a patron and help us out.
2: Hey, for those folks that are doing things and changing things in their garden, oh, we'd love to be able to see some of those things. I love before and afters, but even in progresses are really inspiring, too. So,
0: I don't like before and afters.
2: Oh, remember when Joking. I said I, as in just I was talking about what I like?
0: Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking for me again. <laughs> no,
2: no. no. Oh, okay.
0: No? <laughs> okay. All right, everybody. Be cool. See ya.